Hello, and welcome or welcome back to the Wompcast, the podcast for BHS by BHS. I'm your host, Shannon Stanton, and today I have a very special episode dedicated to this year's mayoral election right here in Braintree. In April of this year, Mayor Joe Sullivan announced that he would not be seeking re-election again after leading Braintree as the mayor for 12 years, starting his service in 2007. After Mayor Sullivan announced this information, several people filed their papers to officially run for the mayor of Braintree. On September 17th, the primary election was held, narrowing down the field to two candidates, Charles Kokoris and Thomas Reynolds. In this primary election, Kokoris received the most votes, with 2,725, and Reynolds received the second highest amount of votes, 2,025, both outpassing the other candidates in the race. Over the course of the past month, I've had the opportunities to listen to the mayoral forum held here at BHS by students and interview the two candidates. So let's dive into this episode of the Wompcast to learn more about the candidates. First up is Thomas Reynolds, who came to BHS a few weeks ago to talk with BHS news members Bree Bowie, Colin Doherty, and myself. Here's our interview. All right, so give us some general background information on your life. Who are you? Where'd you grow up? Just the fun facts about yourself. Sure. My name is Tom Reynolds. I'm a candidate for mayor. I've lived in Braintree for 61 years. Uh, I attended Braintree Public Schools, uh, Donald Ross uh, Elementary School, East Middle School, and Braintree High School. Uh, I'm currently the chairman of the uh, Braintree Electric Light Department. I have been the chairman uh, for the last 12 years. I've been elected uh, to the light board for 20 years, and I've been the chairman 16 of those 20 years. Uh, Previously to that, I served six years on the board of selectmen. Uh, I was the chairman two of those six years, and prior to that, I served 12 years on the Parks and Recreation Commission, and I was the chairman four years uh, there. Uh, In the light department, I oversee a $91 million budget, uh, which includes capital and operations and uh, maintenance. Uh, We 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 hire the general manager who runs the day-to-day operation. Uh, We also oversee the cable um, and uh, internet and telephone side of, it's the broadband side of uh, Braintree Light. Uh, My employment is with the town of Marshfield. I am the DPW director there, and I have been there for nine years. Uh, Prior to that, I was in East Bridgewater as the assistant director, and I served on the Braintree Water and Sewer uh, Department as the executive secretary operations manager. So you're someone who's very involved in the communities you're in. What makes you want to be so involved? Was this something growing up, parents, were they involved in the community? Did you just find yourself getting involved? What made you get involved? Well, um, when I first got involved, I got involved with Parks and Recreation, and I was uh, a coach. Uh, I've been active in the youth uh, leagues in town. I was coaching, um, and I was coaching a men's softball league, and the conditions of the fields were deplorable at the time. So that was my first involvement, was to get the upgrades to the fields, and I decided at that time to run for the Parks and Recreation to try to help uh, get those fields uh, in better condition because people were getting hurt. So I've been active in the youth organizations. I've been a a member of the uh, Sons of Italy, the Braintree Elks. Uh, So I've been active in town for a great many years. 
And I believe my municipal background um, is what puts me above the other candidate because I deal on a daily basis with fin municipal financing, budgeting, forecasting, preparing uh, budgets for, for the, for the next year and, and making sure that we stay within our budgets and line items uh, that we've developed for the, for the fiscal year. Yeah, so going more off of like all that experience that you just told us about, like what are some of the most important lessons you've learned from that that you could carry over if you became the mayor? Well, the most important lessons is understanding municipal finance and the process in which you develop your budgets, the spending, the laws that you have to follow, the procurement laws, understanding all of that is key uh, to a leader. Uh, a leader is, is one that makes decisions. He comes up with ideas, and I believe my experiences in the municipal sector has prepared me for this leadership role where, you know, it's easy to say no, but a leader comes up with suggestions and solutions to the problems, not just saying no, he comes back, or he or she comes back with a solution uh, to fix the problem. Just saying no doesn't help the situation. You need to be able to be a leader and come up with ideas that can correct problems. Thanks. Um, speaking more on problems too, like what are some of the biggest problems you think the town's facing right now? Well, the I think number one is, is the uh, condition of schools. Uh, the elementary schools, the high school here, we've getting, we're getting two new middle schools. The last new school that we have is the school we're in right now, Braintree High School. It opened in 1972. Uh, prior to that, the, 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 the school prior to that was Morrison School, which was you know, back in the 60s when that one opened. So it's important that we keep up with the, uh, the f keeping the facilities up to, up to date and making sure that, you know, the efficiency of the heating systems, uh, the windows, uh, the doorways, they all play a role in money uh, and costs. Um, because if, you know, the, the windows aren't efficient, Putting a new heating system in doesn't alleviate the problems because the heat is still going out the windows. So you need to be able to update your infrastructure, your facilities of your infrastructure, your infrastructure of your facilities. So it's important to understand procurement so you know how to bid these projects out. Forecasting, uh, financial forecasting, so you understand where the money's going to come from. Is there monies available? If not, you have to get a little creative to try to find alternative funding sources, looking for grants, low interest loans, uh, the school bu uh, building um, is, is another avenue that when you apply for a new school, the school building authority has, uh, has money that they uh, can give towards the project if it meets the criteria that they lay out for the project. So do you have a plan to, for like the budgeting ways to raise enough money? Like would you focus on getting a new Braintree High School, doing elementary schools over, and like how do you plan on getting that money? Well right now I think it's the first step is to make sure that the, the, fu the funding for the middle schools is in place. 
So as time, as we move closer to the beginning of the year, um, the, the current mayor and the school superintendent are working very closely together now to come up with a plan for the funding for the middle schools. Uh, that's something that they've been working on. The new mayor, uh, when that new mayor comes on board, it will be his responsibility to make sure that the decisions that were made on the financing are proper and that we can carry th them through. Um, the, the high school, I think, uh, looking at trying to either renovate or replace the high school is a little bit further down the road uh, right now. And, you know, I'm not sure that uh, the school building authority is, um, is willing to finance this at the, a new high school at this point. So I think it's, it's, it's important that we get the proper financing for the two middle schools and that more money needs to be put aside in the budget for uh, you know keeping the, the current facilities uh, up to code. So that's again windows. A lot of these schools are 60, 70 years old. Uh, some of Hollis schools over 100 years old. So think of the infrastructure within the walls of those schools, how old those pipes are. And when you upgrade a heating system, the pressure is increased on those older pipes. So you may now start to have leaking, uh, which creates even more problems because now you have to get into the walls. The walls may um, be, uh, there may be asbestos abatement required. So th there's a lot that goes into doing, out, doing these upgrades. It's not just hiring someone to come in and do it. There's a lot of planning involved. There's a lot of mitigation that might have to be done. When I say that, it's more so with the asbestos uh, pipe coverings, you know, the way that these things were put in and, and, and chases, they call them pipe chases, which are voids in the wall that the pipes will, will go up in, in through the walls to the second floors and third floors and whatever. So there's a lot of planning that's involved. It's, it's not just sign a piece of paper or a contract and have a contractor come in. There's bidding laws you have to follow. There's mitigation like hazardous materials that might be in the building. So those are all additional costs that have to be factored in to the overall cost of whatever upgrades you're doing. Mm -hmm. So my experiences in construction and, and the procurement laws, I think, put me out in front understanding uh, what's needed and what's required and that, uh, you know, coming in as the new mayor, I, there, is, there won't be that much of a learning, there's a learning curve for me. So I come in running rather than having to learn on the job. So I have a lot of experience that I will bring with me uh, that will help me uh, be prepared for this position. So speaking of, um like the learning curve part kind of, like on your first day in office, theoretically, what would your number one priority be? Like what's the first thing you would like to accomplish? Well, the first thing I would like to accomplish is I would have to assess my staff and make sure that I have the right people in place, who I can keep, who I can't keep on my staff. Having that institutional knowledge is, is very important for any, anyone that comes in new to, to office is, is learning the people around you 
knowing that they're qualified and capable of performing. The mayor has done a very good job with staffing the town hall. And I would look to try to keep as many of those people as possible. But you need to do an assessment. And there's a transition period. And by having the right individuals in place to help you in that transition makes your job that much easier. Um, so this is the podcast for VHS, so I'm going to focus on more questions that high schoolers would care about. Um, kind of relation of making the community more accepting, what is your opinion on the Braintree High School mascot? This is obviously a big controversy uh, with it being a womp. Uh, this could be kind of a hard question for you, um, but yeah, for at least all I've been in high school, there's been controversy. Should we keep the womp? Should we change the womp? Is it offensive? Is it not offensive? What are your thoughts on it? Well, my thoughts are that it is an offensive, that the Wampatuck Indians founded this area, all right? They were the indigenous peoples that were here. And a lot of the community was bought from uh, the Wampatuck Indi Indians. I was a Wamp, I'm proud to be a Wamp, and I don't think that, I think it actually, it, it I think it's more of a, um, what's the word I'm looking for like here? It honors the, the Indians, and I don't, I don't think it's detriment to, to their cause. You know, I, I believe that it, it's not, they're not called, you know, red men or anything. The Wamps is an abbreviation for the Wampatuck Indians. I don't think it's a slang word. I think it's an honor to use the name Wamps. All right, well, moving on from that issue to another one here at VHS. I'm sure you know about like the vaping crisis here, and you briefly were able to discuss it at the student forum last week, but I want to hear a little bit more about that and how you plan to stop, like if you want to educate younger students so that they know not to do it in the future, or how you deal with students who are addicted now and how you think the school should like handle these situations. Well, I, you know, you hear the stories of uh, elementary school-age children along with middle school-age children all starting to get involved uh, or sampling or experimenting, however you want to say it, uh, with not only the vaping but also with illicit drugs. So I, I think it, it's important that we start very young with the education of, against the use of all of this stuff and start in the elementary schools at a very early age um, because you know a lot of these kids are, uh, children I should say are, are influenced by what goes on around the house or at home with adults you know so in teaching them at an early age how bad it is for them and, and instilling that in their minds and constantly you know, repetition, it's just like learning math. So you have to practice, all right? And if you continue practicing teaching these children that the dangers of, of what can, you know, harm their health, maybe not immediately, but down the road. And I think you've seen that with cigarette smoking over the years. And um, they've started that program many years ago and, and it's worked somewhat, but now, here we are with artificial uh, smoke and flavors, and, and I understand that a lot of the flavors, the chemicals they use, could be the carcinogenics genins that are in 
um, the vaping product. So it's something that, uh, you know, that has to be looked at by medical professionals. You should have um, professionals come in and train you on how to approach this problem and how to address it. So I would, I would advocate uh, at an, teaching children at an early age the dangers and the health uh, uh, issues that are caused by this. Yeah, I definitely agree because I think our grades, we have a sophomore, junior, senior here. Personally, for my grade at least, I don't think we were taught about it until after it became an issue. Like we were always taught about other types of drug use in cigarettes, but never vape products specifically. So I think that could benefit us. Yeah, and it's you know we're seeing more and more of it in the last few years, and 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 I don't think anyone really knew what the dangers were when they first came out. And now as, as they're finding the health issues and they're investigating what's causing them, you know, it, it's opening a lot of people's eyes to the dangers. So mm -hmm. I think starting early is a great way to prevent abuse. Yeah, definitely. So what is your stance on Braintree's population growth? Do you think that Braintree's growing or should uh, certain measures be put into place to keep Braintree the way it is? Think population's getting too high? Think we should keep increasing? I I don't think that we can stop growth. We can try to control it. Um, right now, I know that's one of the biggest topics is is development. Braintree has pretty much been developed out. There's not a lot of open space for development left. What I think the town needs to concentrate on is redevelopment and to be able to keep um, the split of commercial residential taxes level at what they are right now. It's worked very well. Um, so it's, it's more about redevelopment and keeping the commercial businesses that are here in town, keeping them here and attracting like biomed businesses to come into town high-tech industry, um, but in order to do that, you need to work with the developers. You need to develop, the, the traffic becomes an issue. And Braintree, it's, Braintree is in a unique position. We are at the crossroads of the South Shore. We have three major highways that intersect through Braintree. We have some major transportation um, hubs here with the, with the T and the commuter rail. And it's a regional traffic issue. As the communities around us grow, continue to grow faster than Braintree, um, people are coming from Boston to get home or going to Boston to go to work. And one of the problems is, is that the major highways aren't big enough to handle the traffic flow. So what people are looking for is they're looking for an opportunity to get off the highway and find a quicker way home. So that traffic comes through Braintree and other communities. There was an article recently in the newspaper about Boston being one of the worst traffic cities in the country. Well, that directly relates to us also because we are a, a subdivision of, of the city of Boston, really, if you think about it. We're the greater Boston area. And as the, the, the housing in the city dissipates, people are moving out to the suburbs and they're looking uh, to get close to transportation. Um, but the, it's a regional issue, and we need to work 
with the stakeholders, MassDOT, the surrounding communities, the businesses, to come up with some alternative transportation um, issues, uh, such as uh, the last mile um, shuttle from the uh, rail stations, that we could work with the, the developers of these new businesses and try to come up with some ideas on how we can transport their employees from the T station to their place of business. I have talked to a couple of people recently that moved out of Braintree uh, because of the lack of transportation from um, the rail stations. We do have bus routes, but they don't hit every part of town. They're pretty much on the main drags. And once you get off that beaten path, it becomes more difficult to get a ride you know, as, and to be able to set up some type of a shuttle service uh, would be beneficial to those employees, get, getting them to and from work and alleviating some of the traffic on the roads. So that's one way of addressing the traffic issues. Mm -hmm. And so with all this growth, not only comes more traffic, but it seems like Braintree continues to get more and more diverse. So how do you would you support, like, how would you use your platform as mayor to make this community a more accepting and welcoming place for those different cultures or anything? Well, since I was a, 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 a student in elementary school, we'll say, Braintree has changed drastically, uh, diversely over the years. There are, there are more um, people in Braintree of different races than than I've ever, you know, it keeps growing. And I think it's great for the community. Um, I know it's a, it's a uh, burden uh, sometimes on the school system because of the number of different languages uh, that you have to be able to, to speak or to be able to teach in. And I think uh, I'm hearing that there's over 40 different languages spoken in the school system right now. So that makes it very difficult um, to try to develop your curriculum when you have um, people that, uh, that may not speak uh, fluent English or, or whatever. So, it, you know, it's, you, I would welcome anyone that wants to move into town. You know, it's a, you know, it's an open, uh, it's a gateway. You know, so I, I think it's important. Diversity is very important. It gives you an opportunity to learn others, others' cultures, you know, and when you, as you develop your skills growing up, it's great to be able to understand different languages, being able to offer those different languages in a classroom setting. But it's also very important to, to help the student learn and to be able to fund those positions, I, I, would, I would work closely with the schools to, to help to make sure that they had the right resources to help with uh, dealing with all of that. So, probably been waiting for this question, uh, infamous Peterson Pool Project. <laughs> yes. <laughs> probably talk about this. How, more often, than you do, want how to. often do you talk about this? Uh, quite frequently. Yeah, I would assume. I served on two committees as chairman yeah. uh, when I was on Parks and Recreation for the Peterson Pool. Okay. And um, 
It was originally planned to, Captain Peterson left $62,000 in 1960 to have a swimming pool built on uh, Watson Park because he, he was a tugboat captain and he used to bring his barge up the river to deliver lumber to Rhine's Lumber, which was on the Weymouth side of the river, and he brought oil to the uh, Braintree Light uh, power plant that was on Allen Street. So his dream was to have a swimming pool for the children of East Braintree along the river. One of the problems was it was within the 500-year floodplain, and it didn't make sense to, to build a swimming pool that was going to get flooded over. Uh, at one point back in the um, late 70s, uh, the Department of the Interior had a program that um, they would grant, they had grant money to build a, a retractable walled uh, swimming pool. And by the time that these committees really got rolling, they had done away with the program. So, and Originally, this high school had a swimming pool designed for it, but when it came time to make the finances work, that was one of the, the first thing that was eliminated was the swimming pool. So the ideal spot would have been here at Braintree High. Um, it still is the ideal spot. Um, this hockey rink swimming pool should have been open two years ago. Um, They've dragged their feet on it. I was on one of the committees that looked at um, the contractor for this pool. And um, they, then they put the pool committee together after. We had a preliminary committee. And um, they put the pool committee together and selected a, a contractor to come in and, and do the project. And actually now they've gone back to the original contractor that we looked at and we talked to when we had the preliminary uh, committee together. Uh, it, it's essential that we get this pool built in, in hockey rink. It's been promised, it's been, it's been too long of a wait. It's needed in the town. There's, we have such a large um, uh, hockey f um, following families in this town that uh, the, the youth hockey program is huge, and uh, both my children uh, went to Braintree High. My daughter swam on the swim team, and my son played hockey. So I'm an advocate for both, and I would like to see it built sooner than later, and I that would be one of my top priorities is getting this completed and open by next fall. All right. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you so much. It was well, so nice meeting yeah. you. Well, thank you for having me. Hopefully I answered all your questions yes. properly. And yes. Thank you. Perfect. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank yeah. you. I look forward to talking to you yeah. again. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it for Mr. Reynolds. Next up is candidate Charles Kokoris. Mr. Kokoris also came in for an interview with BHS News member Tyler Tang and I. Here it is. All right, so you want to just give us some general background information. Who are you? Where did you grow up? Just basic things. Certainly. Thanks for having me today, Shannon. Thanks um, for coming. Welcome. Uh, it's great being back in my old Alabama. Um, I went through the Braintree Public School Systems. I grew up in Braintree. 
I graduated from Brantree High in 1983. Um, I have uh, two sons that graduated uh, from Brantree High, one in 2015, one in 2017, and all three of us are WAMPs. I'm very proud of it. Um, as far as my um, background, I grew up in Braintree. Um, my wife and I uh, started a business called Braintree Cleaners uh, that we currently operate. We've had for 28 years now. I started in government about 26 years ago, and I've served on the Planning Board, Park Commission, the Water and Sewer Commission, the Tritown Water Board, the Board of Selectmen, and I've been a counselor for the past 12 years. Um, I've been fortunate enough to play in Braintree sports, but also coach my boys in um, youth soccer. Uh, we were able to start flag football in Braintree, which they were um, they enjoyed playing, uh, as well as um, so I coached at Braintree American, and I also coached at uh, Braintree Babe Ruth, and belonged to many different local organizations. Um, but Braintree is my home, and I love it, and it's it's uh, really an honor for me to be able to serve uh, the people of Braintree, and to have been able to do it for so many years. This is where I, I, I get, my wife and I got married in Braintree. We had our reception at the Sons of Italy Hall. We um, opened our business here, and uh, we bought our first house, house here, and we just love the town, and uh, it's a great place to live. Mm -hmm. So tying in that question, um, how did you like come to the decision that you wanted to run for mayor? Well, for me, it, you know, it was a tough decision because uh, I understand the amount of work that goes into the job. Uh, having served for so many years in government and uh, more recently as a counselor. Um, at one point, I was council president and worked closely with the mayor, so I understand uh, the day-to-day um, -day operations of the job. Uh, for me, it was more about uh, continuing the work. Uh, many great things have happened over the past 12 years. Uh, we've uh, been able to do major improvements to our infrastructure. Um, and for me, it's, it's very important to keep that going, uh, to keep our town operating uh, the way it is at the highest level, but also um, to maintain our schools at the highest level. Mm -hmm. So you were talking earlier about all of like, your past experiences in government and your business and things. So what do you think are some of the most important lessons you've learned from that that can carry over if you become the mayor? Well, I'll tell you, um, the challenges that you face um, as an elected official, there's many things that I've had to deal with um, in different capacities. Uh, as a water and sewer commissioner, at the time, uh, there was a, a number of issues with our wastewater system. We were put under a consent order with the state. We had to comply with that in order for anyone to do any further work to their house or anything like that. We had to bring it in compliance. It's something that I worked with the board to um, fix that problem. Uh, as a selectman, I came in at a time uh, in 2003 when the economy really uh, tanked and we had to lay people off and rebuild from there. So there's been many um, situations where there's challenges that can uh, come uh, to us and as leaders we have to uh, deal with those challenges and find solutions. Um, one, of the, one of the things that came from the 2003-2004 time was the capital improvements were 
not being done to schools and, and roads as we wanted them to be. So I worked on a plan. I put together a plan uh, and created a $1.4 million um, capital plan to fix roads and schools. It was an idea that I had to sell to staff members. I had to sell to the Board of Selectmen and eventually to town meeting to get it approved. And what it did was it created a $700,000 a year uh, fund for school improvements and $700,000 a year for roads that was not there uh, prior to it. So I am well aware of challenges that come up and opportunities to uh, lead and, and fix uh, the issues that come before us. All right, thanks. So if you had to narrow it down to like one issue, what do you think would be like your first task or the biggest problem you think Braintree's facing that you would want to deal with? The greatest issue right now facing Braintree is the proposed high density residential development. One of which is a 40R, which is um, it's something that was put on the table and has not been clearly removed from the table. That's something that I would make sure uh, was never um, applied for with the state and that we did not create a 40R overlay district, as well as the comprehensive rezone, which is a large document that would change Braintree's small town character, urbanize it, and I want to keep that from happening. So those two things are things that would, uh, those are two issues that I think are very important that I stand firmly against. And the number one thing would be to put uh, together the funding for a new master plan so that our residents could engage in, in creating the future, uh, the future Braintree that we all want. Mm -hmm. So do you want to keep Braintree's population where it is now, kind of, or, or do you be open to growth, just not in more the high-density development? Well, I think that, you know, what I've seen over the years in governing is that our population fluctuates, and it fluctuates based on the fact that we have many single-family homes in which eventually families uh, get to a point where the children have grown and they're no longer in, in high school and they've moved on and eventually those homes are sold and then new families move in. So we do have a constant uh, fluctuation and it happens in cycles. I saw that back in uh, the late 90s. Um, but as far as growth, that's the type of growth that we've always had. And I really don't think that promoting additional growth in Braintree it would be helpful based on all of our traffic issues and all of the other uh, issues that come with, with the schools and, and um, not having the ability to have enough, enough uh, resources there. Mm -hmm. Well, since Braintree has seen to be growing, um, I've noticed that there's been more diversity across the past few years or since when I was a kid here till now at the high school. So what would you do as mayor to make Braintree, like make sure that it's inclusive to everyone since we do have a very like white predominant town? Well, I think we, we do have, um, we do have some additional, uh, uh, diversity has grown over the years uh, and that's a good thing. Uh, I think it makes Braintree um, a better place. And I think as uh, different populations uh, grow, if we need to have, um, you know, um, any type of 
if we need to have any type of um, translations or, or translators or anything of that nature, I think that would be something that I would look into. But I would definitely look at the demographics and as they change, I would adapt as mayor to make sure that the services are provided to everyone that lives here. Mm -hmm. Thanks. So shifting more to what affects me as a high school student and stuff. Um, at the student forum a few weeks ago, you were asked a question about the vaping ban. And since you only had a one minute response, I believe, I'd like to give you a little bit more to talk about that. So how do you plan on contributing to like ending this crisis in our town, if you were there? Well, I think that you know there obviously is a big issue with vaping. I think everyone would agree on that. You know, the whole idea of uh, the vape was to get adult smokers to stop smoking, and it seems to have attracted uh, younger people to start smoking and eventually smoking cigarettes. So uh, I would make sure that um, we maintained our enforcement um, and made sure that people under the age of 21 weren't purchasing uh, these items at stores. But I think more so the, the ban is, is important because it's such a health risk in general. Uh, these products, we, we have no idea what's in them. And because of that, I think that um, the use of them and the ability of having them available is a bad thing. So I would do everything I could to try to keep them out of Braintree and maybe we could create some uh, ordinances to do so. Would you support more funding for school kids to get information about it in like the health programs or informational sessions? Absolutely. I think, I think that education is so important in regards to vaping, opioids, alcohol, all of these things. So I've always been a um, proponent of, of education in the areas of uh, different types of addiction, et cetera. So I think that that's something I would definitely be behind. Mm -hmm. So I know many students here don't like the school building, but I know we've got a new East now. So like what schools would you plan on redoing or like what's your first priority within the school system? I think top priority right now, um, obviously as a council, I supported um, the uh, East project and we have the South project that's coming up um, by 2022. Uh, that's another piece that we've, we've supported. The next priority for me is Braintree High School. Um, Braintree High School is not the same high school that I went to. Uh, it, it needs a major renovation. I've talked to um, the superintendent in regards to costs and it's somewhere in the 75 million to 100 million dollar range uh, to do major renovations to the existing building. The issue with uh, Braintree High School trying to get funding from the Mass School Building Authority, which is a partner in both of our East project and our South project, is that we've just received a lot of money from them. It's going to be difficult to get money for the high school. We may be on our own, but the high school, uh, under their criteria, they look at does it have enough capacity and is it structurally sound? And those are two things uh, that the high school has going for it, I guess. Um, so, and it is the last school I have left. Every school I've attended has closed or become something else. So, <laughs> I, I think that um, 
funding wise we would most likely uh, do renovations uh, but major renovations so that we have modern classrooms and that you can get internet and that you have you don't have uh, parts of the building that are you know 50 degrees or less and, and things of that nature so I am fully aware of the issues of Braintree High and I think it would be my first priority and in addition to that I would look at all of the elementary schools and what we could do uh, in the meantime until we get through Branch High School. So when do you think that would like realistically happen? I would say I would say within within two years um, we could look at more formalized plans of what we're going to do with Braintree High because at this point we have uh, the two middle schools that probably won't be done uh, completely until 2022-ish. So I think at that point, we'll know if we've exhausted the Mass School Building Authority's um, exhaust our request to get funding from them. So I think that within the next two to three years, within my first term, I would like to at least have the plan to get started and uh, have a funding source ready. Yes, I suggest just fixing one of the girls' bathrooms that has four sinks and one that works, and that one was leaking today, so that was great. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, so moving on now to Peterson Pool Project. So we can see out the lovely window, the fence, what's going on there, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't seen anything happen, but what are you going to do to get the project completed and keep it within the time frame it's supposed to be done, even though that's been pushed back, I think? Well, I think, first of all, you know, as a counselor, we have very limited ability to oversee the project itself. We did uh, approve the special legislation to make it happen. Um, for me, as a business person, and having been a leader in government for a number of years, uh, I have very little tolerance for people not making um, uh, the time frame which they're supposed to uh, do something. And that's something that would be one of the one of the top priorities getting in is making sure that I sat down with the contractor and um, got secure dates in which um, they would have to meet and I would make sure that they met those dates. And if they didn't, then uh, I think we would have to start looking to find someone that could meet those dates. But that's something that I just, um, I think that you just have to be strong and make sure that the developer and the person that's building this this particular pool slash rank, uh, piece and pool uh, rank, is staying on schedule. So I, I would definitely be very much on top of that. Mm -hmm. And so that's more sports related, but with the arts in the school, would you give more funding to that, those programs? Yeah, and that was a question last time, and yeah. I definitely agree that we need to do that. As a small business owner, I've always donated uh, to um, the Theater Guild, um, et cetera. And, you know, when I was a student here, there was a housemaster named Joe Grant. And Joe Grant, uh, he taught us very, at a very young age, to appreciate the fact that sports are great, but the arts are just as important. And I've carried that all these years. Uh, and he was right. And when you come to a performance here, or you see some of the artwork that's done, or you listen to the uh, show choir or the choir. I mean, amazing. So we are very fortunate. So those are areas that I definitely will make sure that we make the proper uh, investment in uh, for the future. Okay. And just one more school-related question. 
um, some students here in various like clubs, I know Cultural Awareness Club and some others have with the WAMP, like the mascot. So some people would like to change it or some people just, even with Spirit Week this week, like I know I heard some students talking about how they're worried about like if the pep rally, people are going to dress up and stuff. So like what's your opinion on it and if we should change it or not? Well, first of all, I am a WAMP and uh, I always will be a WAMP. So uh, in regards to the WAMP symbol, that's something that I would preserve and protect. Um, I look at the history of Chief Wampatuck, and Chief Wampatuck was, um, he was the, uh, he was put, they put together a, um, an agreement, a deed with Chief Wampatuck. So I, th I think it, it was for, for us to have the WAMP, I think the WAMP basically shows respect to Chief Wampatuck, and um, you know it's 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 symbolic of of this school, and having graduated here and having my sons graduate here as well, and being part of the school sports programs, etc. Um, I think it's important to preserve our history, so I would keep the WAMP. Would you be open to having discussions with different student organizations about it? Absolutely. <laughs> Hope you have learned some more information about Mr. Reynolds and Mr. Kokoris, and thank you to both of them for coming in for interviews. To everyone listening, I would just like to remind you that the election will take place on November 5th, and polls will be open 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., once again on November 5th. For more information on voting, head to BraintreeMA.gov. I strongly encourage everyone eligible to go out and vote, as it is very important, and voter turnout for this primary election was a low 24% of registered voters. So go out, vote, and raise that number. Thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. Thanks again to the candidates. And if you have any questions or comments, please call our Google Voice number at 857-302-4031. Thank you, and be sure to tune in.